The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast and our preview of the first round of the 2020 NBA playoffs. The NBA is back in full, in full effect. The Portland play, Trailblazers clinched the last playoff spot yesterday in the play-in game with a victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. And now all 16 teams are set for the playoffs to begin tomorrow on August 17th. Uh, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon in Southern California. And joining me to discuss and preview all eight first-round playoff series is we have Los Angeles Lakers sycophant, Rebound. What up, Rebound? How you doing? What's up, Z-Ball? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, the heat wave here in Southern California. Yeah, we need some fucking AC. Trying to get through this as best as I can <laughs> and try, trying to survive in the pandemic, the COVID-19 world, but nonetheless, I'm happy to have NBA basketball back in our lives. We've had, we've seen some exciting games, a lot of meaningless games, a lot of teams kind of throwing in the towel, but it got ramped up and it was a good uh, kind of storyline with the playing game in the Western Conference with all those teams kind of in it in the last couple games. Portland Trailblazers ultimately coming out of that pack and clinching the eighth seed, but with that, let's get into the first round series. Is We'll start in the Eastern Conference. We'll start with a 1-8 matchup. We have the Milwaukee Bucks as the number one seed taking on the Orlando Magic, the eight seed. So what do you see here in this series, and what's your prediction? Uh, Orlando's got home court. It's in Orlando, so I give they get that BOD. But uh, this is most likely going to be a sweep, you know. Orlando, they're not. They really don't have much talent. I mean, Nikola Vukovic, of course, and uh, not really much other talent than that. But Milwaukee should sweep this one. But I'll, 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 I'll give Orlando the benefit of the doubt since they have home court. I'll, I think they they pull one game, uh, but uh, they're just too. I think Milwaukee's just too deep here, and I'm gonna go with Milwaukee in five. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee, I mean, too much talented, over-talented. Orlando on the other side, uh, even though this, this is in Orlando at the Wide World of Sports, ESPN's Wide World of Sports, uh, they have two of their most more important players uh, out. Amo Bamba left the bubble a few days ago, and then Jonathan Isaac out with a torn ACL. Then it's going to be a lot of uh, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, and Fournier for them in, in this playoff series but it's not going to be enough ultimately to in my opinion even to win a game so I think I have Milwaukee sweeping here 4-0 Giannis uh, Middleton and the rest of those guys the Lopez brothers tuning up for the second round series ultimately who they face in the with the 4-5 matchup so I got Milwaukee in a sweep here Giannis I think will kind of take it easy um, 30 minutes a game something like that will still play well 
and it'll just be a little tune-up for them uh, to get ready for the 4-5 matchup, whoever they face in the conference semifinals. So I guess not much more to say really on that series. <laughs> so we'll go move into another matchup, which is might be a little similar. We've got the 2-seed Toronto Raptors taking on the 7-seed Brooklyn Nets. Rebound, what's your take on this series? What yeah, do you see this happening? is going to be a sweep. Uh, kudos to Nick Nurse for keeping the Raptors a contender with Kawhi leaving and Danny Green leaving and ma major injuries. Like, who who, who, who would have thought this? I mean, normally when a star player leaves, uh, teams normally collapse and uh, go, go down the drain to a lottery team. But Nick Nurse worked his magic with this team. Spicy P became a star player. The Raptors are very deep with, with depth, and this should be a sweep. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from Brooklyn, but no Durant, no Kyrie. So this is this is going to be a sweep. Uh, other than Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie, I really don't know many other people on the team. Uh, it should be a sweep, so I'm going Raptors in four. Yeah, here, uh, Toronto with a major decidedly advantage with experience, with depth, with star power, with coaching. Uh, Brooklyn on the other side with an interim head coach and Jacques Vaughn. Maybe, possibly he'll be a candidate for the permanent head coaching position. We'll see. But obviously they're going to be getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving next season. That's kind of the big talk. I mean... Are they going to get those guys back rebound and everyone else is going to kind of keep up their same level of uh, production or is, are some of those guys' production going to go down ultimately with the effect of less touches and less kind of cohesiveness and stuff? What, what do you think happens? Well, and, of course their numbers are going to go down. You're getting Durant and Kyrie back. I mean, Jared Allen's numbers definitely going to drop. So are Spencer Dinwiddie's. I think eventually they're going to do a combo trade for Bradley Beal. I don't know what it'll be. But something between the lines of Jared Allen and maybe, Din I don't know if they'll give Dinwiddie as well, but they'll probably have to and maybe a pick. I would think they have to give Karis LeVert too Damn. to get Bradley Beal. Yeah, LeVert instead. Yeah, I'd rather keep Dinwiddie. Okay, I mean, with Brooklyn, obviously their best player right now in the bubble going into the series is Karis LeVert. Then you got Jared Allen and Joe Harris, some other young players for them. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie did not, I guess, decide to come to the bubble, so he's not playing. And then a host of other guys. So, I mean, they have Tyler Johnson. I mean, DeAndre Jordan didn't come. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, obviously. Uh, Timothy Luwawe, Garrett Temple. But just when you look at the other side with the vast uh, advantages that Toronto has with their depth, with their defensive versatility, their offensive versatility, just overmatched all around that Brooklyn is. So with Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, Ibaka, Gasol, Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, just a host of guys with Toronto. A lot of depth, a lot of different lineups they can throw out. I don't see Brooklyn winning even a game, even though they have been scrappy in the bubble and kind of uh, won some surprising games, gave some teams some trouble, and just played hard throughout. I, I think... Toronto is too disciplined, too well coached, too versatile, and I think they'll have an answer for everything that Brooklyn, that the depleted Brooklyn team will throw at them. So I'm going to take Toronto in four and a sweep here in this series as well. And we'll move on to the 3 6 matchup in the East. 
So for the 3-6 matchup, we got uh, the Boston Celtics taking on the Philadelphia 76ers in this one. Rebound, what do you think about this series? Uh, it should have been an exciting one with uh, teams fully healthy, but with Ben Simmons going down and with Philly being an ultimate disappointment this season, uh, I don't know what we're going to see here. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, whether, whether, whether Ben Simmons was going to play or not, Boston was winning the series. I'm not buying this Philly team. Uh, they just don't fit in together, Embiid and uh, Simmons. They just don't fit in well together. Eventually, they're going to have to trade one of them, but right now their markets aren't good because they're injured. But I got Boston in six. Boston's a talented team that no one talks about. Really good team, really good coach. And this, this team is going to, uh, I don't know how far I have them going, but they're definitely winning this series easily, even with Ben Simmons playing. Yeah, Boston's my pick here as well, but but you've seen with Gordon Hayward uh, on Boston, he's kind of seemingly kind of coming back a little bit into his own, kind of becoming what we saw of him in Utah, versatile playmaker offensively, kind of getting other players involved, and then you got the young guys with there with with Brown and Tatum, and then Marcus Smart with his excellent defense. Uh, their centers, Tice has played well, Canner has played well as well. And just a lot of depth here, a lot of good coaching. Uh, Kemba, obviously, as well. I mean, we didn't even mention him. That was their star's biggest signing of the offseason. And then on the other side with the Sixers, I think they'll win a couple games. I can see Embiid having a few monster games and kind of propelling them. And then Al Horford, he's got to have some sort of kind of chip on his shoulder playing against his former team in Boston, some some of that knowledge he has with their schemes and then I think some of those other guys will step up as well to kind of give them help them win a few games with Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson and some of their guys off the bench with Mike Scott, Forcon Korkmaz so I, and Thibel I think Thibel is gonna be I think a little bit of a problem for Boston I think some of those guys uh, I think he's gonna have draw the assignment of Tatum or Brown I think he's uh, a very promising young player for them that can be a kind of a defensive stopper, 3 and D guy, if he can kind of improve his shot. But this series, yeah, I think a heavy dose of Boston's wings offensively with Hayward, Brown, and Tatum. And then defensively, they're disciplined as well with Smart, Tice, Canner, some of the other guys that with Brown, two-way player. And then Philly, I think, will win a few games just because Embiid is kind of unstoppable. But I don't think he can do it consistently for a full seven games in series. That's why Boston has the huge advantage here and I think will win it in six games. But it'll be a little more exciting than I think most people think. But ultimately, Boston in six. And shout out to Akshay. I think Boston will move on to the second round the conference semifinals. So we'll agree with Boston and six on that one, and then we'll that'll take us into the last Eastern Conference series for the first round, which I think will be the best one. Kind of a lot of uh, beef with these teams as well as during the season, and kind of between some of their players. We have Miami as the number four seed taking on the fifth seed Indiana Pacers. Rebound. What do you see for this series, and ultimately, what's your pick? This is going to be the best series of the East for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, both teams are really good. They're uh, about equal up, but I, I like Miami to win this one in seven, definitely going seven. And 
I give Miami the edge. I like, I'll take Jimmy Butler as the overall best player on both teams. Kudos to TJ Warren for coming out and playing well, but I still like uh, the Heat. Yeah, 4-5 matchup here. Uh, even kind of before this season, this is, these are teams that have kind of a rivalry starting going back to the LeBron Wade days in, in the early 2010s where uh, Miami knocked out Indiana three straight seasons from 2012 to 2014 in the playoffs. And then now you kind of a little bit rejuvenated rivalry with the T.J. The Warren-Jimmy uh, Butler incident during the regular season where they kind of got into it. And then T.J. Warren for the first, at least the first four games of the kind of the NBA bubble regular season restart was was balling, playing lights out, was the MVP for those first four games. And he's really emerged. And it's kind of c crazy to consider that they only, he was a salary done for Phoenix and Indiana only had to give cash considerations to get him and kind of fortify their starting lineup uh, to go along with Malcolm Brogdon, another offseason pickup, has been really good for them. Point guard role has been good playmaker, good defensively, very good professional. Aaron Holiday for them has been played really well as well. And then obviously Oladipo back in the mix. And then Miles Turner, obviously it's I think it's going to be a big loss for them. I mean, they haven't had DeMontis Savonis. He's been injured. I think he's a guy that's kind of emerging for them as a really good player. Uh, stretch four type player, stretch the floor, uh, hit hit threes, hit jumpers, uh, kind of get in the post, get in the rebounds for them. And then McMillan for them is on the kind of on the hot seat. Uh, we'll see what happens ultimately with that, but I think they're going to pose a very tough, very formidable opponent to Miami. I think it's going to be a really good long seven game series as well I'm going to agree with rebound on Miami though I think Miami ultimately is better coached and then I think they have kind of a better mix of young guys and veteran guys they have Bam Adebayo he's a young up and coming guy he's a two way guy he's just kind of a, like a stretch four type guy as well then they have Jimmy Butler with all that experience he's a two way player then they have other like young shooters in Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. They have other veteran type guys in Iguodala and Gordon Dragic. They have athletic guys off the bench with Derek Jones Jr. Who knows what will happen with him off after that devastating injury? He was taken off the stretcher in the last game. Myers Leonard, who they acquired from Portland in the Whiteside trade. Kelly Olynyk, another stretch for, four type guy. So. A lot of depth, a lot of uh, good coaching experience for them. I think that'll ultimately be the difference. I think they're a little better defensively, a little better offensively as well. So I think that'll be the difference. But it'll be a long, exciting series. And I like Butler and Adebayo proving to be better than uh, Brogdon, Warren, and Oladipo on the other side. So that's why I'll take Miami in seven, and I'll see them taking on Milwaukee in the second round. So with that rebound, uh, we'll move on now to the Western Conference. And the first series we'll take a look at is your Los Angeles Lakers as the one seed taking on the red-hot Portland Trailblazers. How scared are you on a scale of 1 to 10 of the Portland Trailblazers? They got their full squad back, Zach Collins, Nurkic back, Damian Lillard playing lights out, averaging 52 points last 3-4 games. What do you see uh, in this Portland matchup 
How scared of you, first of all, from 1 to 10 of the Portland Trailblazers as a Lakers fan? Uh, 8. You're really that scared? Okay. Uh, probably more like a 4. Like a 4. Okay. So, what do you ultimately see for the Lakers? I mean, they've had some troubles in the bubble offensively. What do you kind of uh, attribute that to? Is it kind of just a lethargic kind of attitude? A, a non, non-imperative non type attitude? I mean, do you... Th- a result of the injuries, the attrition, what do you kind of attribute those struggles to? Yeah, a combination of injuries, Avery Bradley not coming back, bringing in new players, trying to mix up the squad. LeBron looked iffy in some games, Anthony Davis looked bad in some games, and then the next game he had like a 40-point game. It's like, but I think they'll pull it, pull it all together. I think Portland will give it a run for its money. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are going to get their points. No, no one's stopping them. And the X factors will be Nurkic and Melo, because Melo's been playing well as in the bubble as well, and Nurkic. So it'll come down to if Dwight, if Dwight can put uh, limit Nurkic's points, and who who's gonna guard Melo, because Danny Green's probably gonna be on McCollum. So depending who's gonna guard Melo, probably Kuzma or LeBron. But uh, I think that I think Lakers pulls this one out in six. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so going back to those stud guards that Portland has, uh, ultimately, I mean, you going back to the Lakers, you see this whole decade, guards have point guards, star point guards, and even star shooting guards have really torched them, and they haven't really seemed to have been able to stop them all decade. So, what what do you see here with the Lakers' plan of attack to kind of limit? Damian Lillard, who's arguably one of the three best point guards in the league, and C.J. McCollum, who is a excellent scorer and excellent three-point shooter as well. What do you see? I mean, they're going to put Danny Green on one of them, obviously, and then I don't know who the other best defender is after him. Like, no one plays defense. Maybe LeBron steps it up. I don't know. but uh, LeBron guarding one of the guards? Yeah, maybe. Full-time? Yeah, they'll switch it off. They'll get him to BOD. He can't. He's uh, that 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 is old. He 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 getting old. You know, his seventeenth year. He's not getting old. He is old. Uh, you know, uh, so I don't know. We'll 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 have to wait until Tuesday and see. Okay, so I mean, another question I have. I mean, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, who's kind of that third guy on the Lakers that's creating for themselves, kind of making big plays, making a big impact on a consistent basis offensively. Well, in the bubble, it looks like Kuzma. He's played well, but in general, it should be Danny Green, and Danny Green's going to have to step the F up. Okay, and another thing I mentioned, uh, kind of just in late game, kind of pressure-type moments, I kind of posed the question about Anthony Davis. Is he that legitimate-type creator who can not get stuff off the ball but you give him the ball he can create off the dribble he can create in the post drive to the lane get others a good quality looks or get quality points for himself down the stretch is he that reliable of a guy that we can depend on him obviously he's a stud superstar he's one of the six to seven best players in the league can he do that though down the stretch in late game situations because I have yet to see that from him in his eight season career. Yeah, of course he can. Why do you put some disrespect on Anthony's name? You need to put some respect on his name, bro. Seriously. I'm putting respect on him. I think he's one of the best players, but I'm, I'm just saying, can he be a creator down the stretch? Or is LeBron going to shoulder that entire load and kind of 
create plays for himself and for others down the stretch. Well, LeBron always does that. He does that in every game. Okay, so how, how does Anthony Davis has to play down the stretch? As a yeah. stretch five, create spacer, or as a guy that's dominating in the post? He's got to dominate in the post. That, that, that's, that's where he, he has the advantage. He needs to get the ball down low. Throw, throw it to Anthony all day. Nurkic ain't going to guard him. He can't jump. He, he ain't black. So, uh, going back to Anthony Davis, another question. Can he provide spacing? Can he space the floor and spot up for big three-point shots down the stretch? Yeah, of course he can. Why are you asking dumb questions here? Okay, I have yet to see it in his eight seasons. That's why I'm a little skeptical. Let's see, maybe he can prove me wrong. But I have yet to see him, even this season with the Lakers, be a creator down the stretch. Yeah. In those late-game, tough... Uh, pressure type situation so maybe he'll prove me wrong let's see uh, but the onus is on him to kind of do that and take a little pressure off of LeBron so we'll see what happens but ultimately going to the series I think Lillard and McCollum are going to score at will I think but Portland defensively I don't think is very very uh, for formidable so I think the Lakers will be able to score as well I think up front for Portland, I don't think they really have anybody that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Anthony Davis. And then anybody throughout their team can't really stop LeBron when he's humming and he's engaged. So I think, but outside of that, I, I don't think anybody else on the Lakers team can be consistent. And when I say consistent, I mean put up 15 game, at least 15 points a game each game play good solid defense, play good cohesiveness in the team environment defensively and offensively. I think it's just going to be have to kind of be pick and choose guys for the Lakers. And I mean down the stretch obviously Davis and LeBron to go along with those guys the only other surefire guy that I think should be in there is Danny Green because of his defense, but defensively I don't I don't think he's kind of Defensively, for sure, he's always legitimate. But offensively, he, he can go on dry spells, as, as we've seen last season in the playoffs yeah. with Toronto. And I, I don't know. Offensively, it's just going to have to be a host of different guys from night to night, from Waiters to uh, Kyle Kuzma to Danny Green to some other guys. I mean, <laughs> Alex Caruso. So we'll, we'll see who, on which given night. Quinn Cook, I mean, we'll see on which given night which which guy is going to be as their number three option, but they need someone to emerge as that number three guy offensively, consistently, and it's got to be, in my opinion, either Kuzma, Danny Green, or Dion Waiters. So, I mean, we'll see ultimately what happens, but I think a big series from LeBron, Anthony Davis, and I think they will be better than McCollum and Lillard, who will be really good as well. But Lakers will have a little trouble, but ultimately I'll, I'll agree with you, Rebound. They'll win in six games. Sure. All right, so enough of that. We'll move on to the next series, the 2-7 matchup. My Los Angeles Clippers taking on the young stud in Dallas, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Rebound, what's your prediction for this series? Yeah, I think this one should be easier than people think. Uh, no, Curry's out. I think Curry's out. Uh, so that that's a big blow for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't have uh, as much as talent as people think. I do agree they have a bright future, but not too sold on Tingus Pingus. But 
he he'll, he's definitely going to be an X factor. He has to drop like 30 a game. Uh, Luca's definitely a star. Everyone knows that. Everyone likes him. But I'm going with the Clippers in five. Yeah, Luca is absolute pleasure to watch. Uh, he has such a fluid step back. He has very good feel for the game. Very good passer. Good rebounder. Uh, obviously, I think it looks like the three-point shooting needs to improve. I think he was only 31% on the season. Uh, that's obviously going to come for him down the line when he gets older. And then they have uh, other kind of role guys along to go along with him and Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Guys like Trey Burke. Uh, guys like Maxi Kleber, Justin Jackson, Courtney Lee, Boban. So, but definitely this is not enough. They're overmatched. The Clippers have at least three legitimate playmakers at any point in the game with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Lou Williams. Then they have a lot of versatility. They can play big. They can play small. They have good guys coming off the bench in Harrell and Lou Williams. They have fortified starters. They have young guys. Uh, they have the coaching experience here with Doc Rivers, although he's going up against a really good coach in Rick Carlisle. But just a huge uh, mismatch all around. And you're not trying to do a reverse jinx for the Clippers, are you, with saying that they're oh, no. overmatched here? Okay. Clippers in five. Gentlemen sweep. Not really much more to say here. But uh, hopefully Dallas looks like a team to be reckoned with coming forward in, probably in about two, three years. And they should be a fun team to watch moving forward. So with that... We'll agree on that one as well. We'll move on to the next matchup, the 3-6 matchup. Got the Denver Nuggets, the 3 seed, taking on the Utah Jazz in the 6 seed. What are your thoughts here on this series rebound? Yeah, this is going to be this will be a good one. Uh but I definitely like Denver here. They they have the better overall team with Joker and Murray and good bench players and uh Bogdan being out is a big blow for Denver. Boyan. Or whatever, same shit. Uh, these guys have all the same fucking names. They're not even related. Oh, somehow they are. And yeah, I like Denver and Six. Good times. Okay, I mean, Denver, I mean, we've seen kind of some flashes from Bol Bol, their, their uh, draft pick. And then also, it looks like Michael Porter Jr. has emerged as well. Is Michael Porter Jr., has he played well enough to become a permanent starter for Mike Malone and the Nuggets? What do you think? Yeah, I think so, he has. But I don't know if they will start him, but they, sh they definitely should. Okay, on the other side with Utah, obviously Boyan is a big loss. He's their second leading scorer after uh, Donovan Mitchell. He spaces the floor well. He shoots the three ball well. You can put him on some of the other wings on the other teams as kind of a defensive option. What uh, ha does Donovan Mitchell have to do in this series for Utah to ultimately win? Uh, he has to drop 40 a game. Is he capable of doing that? No, hell no. Okay, can he, th he can, what will he do per game? What do you think in this series? Uh, probably about 25 to 30. I'll get him a And then another question I ask about kind of creating, uh, outside of Donovan Mitchell, who's kind of the creator for Utah? Is it Joe Ingles? What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I would say Joe Ingles. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to be enough. I mean, you have Denver who who can run multiple different types of offensive exotic type sets with they can run the offense through the Joker at the high elbow, they can run it through Murray with his speed. 
Uh, it doesn't look like they're getting Gary Harris back, but I, I don't think that will be a, a, a problem for them in this series. It'll definitely be a problem uh, when they face the Clippers. And, I mean, Will Barton, I think, hopefully we'll see if he comes back. But Joker, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray in this series, I think, will prove to be too much. And then they have some other some of their old, other role guys that will step up. Michael Porter being the top one. Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, Monty Morris. I think they'll do just enough uh, to win. I think Utah might win a few games just because of their... I think they'll be able to kind of control the place, the tempo in some of those games. And I think Donovan Mitchell will kind of go off. And then also... Jamal Murray, as we saw last playoffs, was a little flaky. I don't, I he, he never really put together two consecutive games from what I saw. Damn. Two consecutive legi- legitimate games. I really like Jamal Murray as a young point guard. He's super quick. Uh, he can do a lot. But ultimately, Jokic, I think, will be consistent from a playmaking kind of all-around playmaking type uh, ability. I don't know if on the scoring. If he's assertive enough all the time, but I think I think he will be in the post for most of the series. But Denver here, uh, all around, just better. So I think they will win six games, and I think the Boyan thing will prove to be not enough scoring for Utah, who even with him is all, already not one of the most uh, potent scoring teams already. So Denver in six in this one. I'll agree with you, rebound as well, and we'll move on to the final matchup of the first round. We got a good one here, a lot of kind of subplots in this one as well. Got the fourth seed, Houston Rockets at 44 and 28, taking on the fifth seed, Oklahoma City Thunder at 44 and 28. And who would have thunk it uh, from the beginning of the season when this trade the happened before the season when Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook were traded for each other that the Oklahoma City Thunder would be would have the same record as the the Rockets at the end of this season but uh, I mean Chris Paul obviously wants to play well against uh, going up against his former team in the Rockets Russell Westbrook wants to play well going up against his former team in the Thunder and you got James Harden as well you got <laughs> well, there's a lot of subplots here I mean you got young guys in Oklahoma City and Shea Gilgis and Dennis Schroeder and you got James Harden, who historically his numbers drop in the playoffs. He becomes very foul dependent. So, what ultimately happens here? Rebound four or five matchup in Houston versus Oklahoma City. Who you got? Well, this all depends on Westbrook's status. If if he plays, uh, I got the Thunder. If he doesn't play, I got the Rockets. Uh, you heard that correct. Westbrook makes your team worse. Everyone calls me dumb and stupid when I say this. You're crazy. They say all that. But it's, it's been proven now. It's a proven fact. Before the season started, ESPN gave the Thunder a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs. LeBron posted it on his Instagram if you want to see it. And, yeah, who the hell, who, who in the hell would have thought this? You have Russell freaking Westbrook and James Harden on the team, and they're going to have the same record as the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, who traded away Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, at the end of the day, he makes your team worse. He's a great athlete. He's a great mentality. He's a good guy in life. But on the court, he doesn't make smart decisions. And that's what it's going to come down to. But I'm going with the Thunder and 7 here. And 
I think Oklahoma City takes this one. Okay, what do you say to the notion? I mean, obviously Russell Westbrook has been a little more disciplined. He's kind of uh, kind of kickstarted kind of the super small ball type play for Houston. Uh, it seems like they've always done kind of gone against the grain uh, the last couple seasons, done a lot of uh, kind of dramatic things, and they've done another dramatic one here, dumping Clint Capella in the middle of the season, going ultra small with that lineup of Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon now back in the mix, Covington and P.J. Tucker. Is that something that's uh, a sustainable kind of thing in a seven-game series that they can kind of employ and then throughout the playoffs if they do move on? Or is that something that's kind of a short-term gimmick and and kind of be uh, uh, solved and kind of uh, mitigated by other teams? What do you think? Yeah, I think it can work in general. Of course, we've seen it from the Warriors playing small ball and other teams such as the Raptors last year playing small ball, but uh, I don't think they're going to go that far, even if they do win this series, which is it's a, it's a 50-50 in this series. It's four versus five, identical records. But uh, if they do win this series, the, the farthest they're going is the second round. That's their ceiling. Okay, and then Westbrook has kind of catapulted this small ball stuff. He's he's getting more in the lane. He's He's taking more. His shot selection has really improved the quality of the shots that he's getting. He's not taking as many stupid threes as he did before. So what do you kind of say to that in the improvement of Russell Westbrook in that regard? Does he revert back to the the hero ball, the three-point making, or is this something that we can see and kind of expect for him down the line long-term in his career as his athleticism wanes as he does get up there in age? Yeah, I think they will see that eventually. He's going to try the hero ball, especially going up against his former team, as you mentioned. He wants to show show them he, he's, he's still got it. And but he he definitely has improved his shots, but uh, he's definitely gonna take some stupid shots. Okay, and then I mentioned that small ultra small lineup that they're gonna throw out there with the tallest guy being Covington at six seven. They're gonna throw out Eric Gordon as well, Harden, uh, Westbrook, and P.J. Tucker. So what's kind of the best lineup for the Thunder to combat that? Did they go with that three guard lineup that they kind of have been playing with with Schroeder? Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis, and then Gallo and maybe someone else. What's kind of their best five to kind of combat that yeah, super small line? Yeah, probably that. Chris Paul, Schroeder, Gilgis, Alexander, Gallo, and I don't know who else. Steven Adams, who's kind of that fifth? Nerlens Noel, Alzo well, Nader, who, who, who's I, that fifth? I'd probably go with S.A. Andre Roberson. I'd probably go with S.A. Okay, and then... What's what do you kind of make of Robertson coming back into the mix for the Thunder? He hasn't played a game I think t- since t- the twenty eighteen season. Yeah, that's big time shit. So man. how does he kind of uh, come back and kind of fit into the Oklahoma City lineup? Does he start? Does he come off the bench? How does he kind of fit in with them with the chemistry, the co- and the uh, chemistry cohesiveness picture? What do you think? I don't know. I think they'll do, they'll limit his minutes due to the chemistry issues. But yeah, he, they'll just give him the BOD. Okay, and then Oklahoma City, we've seen this season, Chris Paul has been really good in pressure-type situations. Just the team overall has been the best numbers-wise in late-game clutch situations, which is defined by ESPN by last five minutes of the game within uh, a range of, of five points, either down or up by five points. So Oklahoma City has proven that they've been the best in the situations in the regular season. Is that something they can continue in this series against the Rockets? 
Yeah, definitely. With Chris Paul on your team, he makes your team better, so that's definitely going to continue. BOD for CP3. Okay, there was a story kind of on, I think, Boston local radio in one of those bubble games that Chris Paul basically just with uh, the force and will of his voice kind of just affected the, the one of the games they played and led Oklahoma City to victory just with his voice. Is that something we can kind of see happening here in this series as well? Yeah, hopefully. Okay. And then Chris Paul, uh, historically in his career, has kind of faded and kind of gotten fatigued. And we've seen untimely injuries for him in the playoffs. Is that something we need to be worried about in this series? You're always worried about that. He's injury prone. Okay. All right. I mean, we've previewed this series. I'm, I'm going to take Oklahoma City as well in seven. I, don't, I think we've agreed on every one pretty much. I don't know. I think we picked them in the same amount of games as well. Yeah, you tell them, so, Z-Ball. But I, I just think Oklahoma City Th- Thunder here are really good defensively. I think they're super disciplined. They have the veteran-type leadership and with Paul to go along with the young guys and Schroeder and Shea Gilgis. Gallo has been kind of type of veteran journeyman as well. Steven Adams has seen a lot of his playoff battles as well. And Westbrook and Harden on their side have seen a lot of stuff as well. They're going to shoot lots of threes. It's going to be an exciting, fun series. But I think Oklahoma City is going to be able to make smarter, more uh, effective, game-changing plays down the stretch, both offensively and defensively. And I think that's why I'm going to take them slightly in the series to win in seven and to move on and take on the Lakers in the Western Conference semifinals. So with that rebound, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Go Lakers, baby. Go Lakers. All right, we'll see what happens. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoy all of the first-round playoff matchups. And we'll be back in about two weeks to discuss the NBA conference semifinal matchups. Thank you, guys.